Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George, joined with Seth and Scott and Anna and all of you from wherever you're joining us at. We are glad you're here back for another day of this journey of transformation, looking more deeply into our personal stories and our inner lives to live more fully. And we're glad you're here. Today, we want to talk to you about belief and expectations. Studies have proven that belief and expectations have enormous impacts on our brain. Studies on the placebo effects have affirmed this. The key elements in the placebo's effect are belief and expectation. For a placebo to work, a person must believe and expect he or she is getting the real drug, and this creates hope. But in order to fire chemicals in our brain for us to believe this hope and to trust in this hope more how does this happen? How it happens in this way, we must believe that we have real choices and there's something good that is at work. Anna, you say this, when we don't have hope, it's when we don't have a choice. Why is that so important to feel like we have a choice? Well, I think, um, first of all, we always have a choice. We may not always have a choice in what our circumstances are, but we undoubtedly always have a choice in how we choose to respond to the circumstances we find ourselves in. So uh, whether or not choice seems evident circumstantially or not, it is crucial in order to maintain a growth mindset and a hopeful mindset that we understand that choice is always available to us, even if that is just the choice of how we choose to respond to any given situation. Is that a good, helpful first step when is to maybe go, what choice do I have in this? There, I know there's a lot of choices that might be eliminated, but is the practice of that, you know? Right. I think I think it, also understanding, like broadening our understanding of, of choice. Like we may not have a choice to, obviously, we don't have a choice in the family of origin we were born into. We don't have a choice about the um, country of origin we were born into, right? Our ethnicity, those are things that we don't have a choice about, right? So we don't always have maybe a circumstantial kind of choice, but we always do have the choice of how we show up in the roles, the situations, and the circumstances in which we've been handed. So just yeah. expanding what our idea of choice is. I wonder, is there an example for for anybody or all of us when we needed to expand a situation when we need to expand our idea of choice, a situation that you can recall in your life? Yeah, That's a I great mean, question. Uh, I just actually went through that just this, this year. Circumstances presented themselves at the end of last year, actually on January first, that uh, something that I'd hoped for and believed in and and brought me great joy and love. It was no longer going to be a part of my life. And um, it threw me into a tailspin. And uh, I, the reality, I did not want to accept. I did not want to accept the reality. So circumstances were just dire. They were dark. And, this, and, and then I projected, well, I have nothing to live for now. In a way, you know, I know I'm going to live, but the life I wanted, I thought I was going to have, was no longer going to present itself. And that's when uh, I had to wrestle with this, this complete idea of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And um, I could not change my circumstances, but I couldn't, just like Anna said so beautifully, I, just, I realized I have the power to choose how I respond. 
And the response for me was, I'm going to use this by in allowing God and I to co-create me becoming a better man with deeper faith and a greater understanding of hope. And I actually will be able to be a, a service to other people even better than before because you can't lead somebody out of the desert if you've never been in the desert. And that, that, that space where what we hope for has ended and is, is tragically you know, not going to happen, we have the choice between accepting what I cannot change and then facing a future with a hope that something good is going to grow from this space that I find. And so I'm going to choose to respond by allowing myself this time to grow and become something I've never been before. And I will be better for it, and I will be prepared. But I also thought that eventually you have to start seeing yourself in the future in a, in a space that you hope for, uh, that it can still it can still occur. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, yeah. it, if, if I can't see the future being any different, then I'm going to struggle with provisional existence. And that is just... There's nothing to hope for. In essence, the best is gone. And, and I was just talking to a person about that the other day. That's such a different paradigm from the best has passed versus the best is yet to come. Would you guys say we we always have a choice? And that's part of the power of this is that we always have a choice to make. Uh, Seth, you asked, if people knew what went on in my mind, my mind in a split second, I'm always thinking about the choices that I can make. <laughs> And and in a split second, going well, that that would result in something more negative. Um, are this? Yeah, this seems to be the best option for the best result for everyone involved, including me. So, but is it true that um, maybe that's a practice? Is always believing that there's a choice for us to make that's that's a good one. Yeah, I th- I think that's I think uh, I mean. As we've, so I think I've already addressed, hope and choice are connected. I don't know if you can have hope without um, available choice. I don't. I don't yeah. think that's an option. So, an, an example for me, the most recent one was was last night. My listeners may be aware. I have a out of the many children I have, my youngest is one, and he he's the, the easiest baby what we have except for sleeping time. And man, he slept through the night once in his life, and he's almost 17 months. And it's mm-hmm. it, and some nights are considerably harder than others. And last night was definitely one. And my wife and I are both sort of feeling a bit under the weather. Um, and and so I'm the second time in his bedroom, 45 minutes in, to f- trying to figure out why isn't he sleeping? What's going on? And I'm trying all the different. I'm trying like you know, give. I'm just standing up. I'm sitting down. I'm rocking. And I'm getting frustrated, and I'm and you know the the, I'm just, you know I'm trying to think it through this lens like the, how do we find choice? And I think it has to do with letting go of the paradigms or the conditioned thinking that we bring into situations. Like we said in the last episode, the sort of agenda that I'm carrying into this, that I'm reading this through. And I was carry I what I was doing was assuming I'm the adult. You must do what I say. Go to sleep. And so I'm getting frustrated because he's not. <laughs> And I wasn't able to mm-hmm. let go of that. And he doesn't see you as the adult. Totally. Well, 
not, not, has nothing to do with you. It's just how he sees you because he's so... Right. <laughs> but like the one in control, like I'm doing everything. Yeah. Why won't you make this work? It's in the middle of the night. Yeah. So I'm not entirely thinking clearly either. Um, mm. And, you know, it's... And he's clearly thinking I'm in control. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, you can translate this for yeah. my, my other older kids too, like where they yeah. do have more more choice or... or control yeah. over their behavior. But yeah, I'm just in the moment, I'm, I'm getting more and more frustrated because my agenda is I need to sleep. Why won't you? And I'm getting yeah. really frustrated. And so there's no curiosity really available mm-hmm. until I realize he, he's a baby. I, there's got to be something else going on here. And I just, I like allowed myself to chill out a little bit, mm. to take some deep breaths. What else could be going on? Maybe it has nothing to do with He's not sick. He's not. So I, I he had a he had a dirty diaper, but it was like small enough mm. where it wasn't present, you know. But it was bothering him enough that he would not sleep. So I had to let go of the agenda that I was that I had about I need you to sleep. Why won't you? And I wasn't able to until I was able to let that go. I couldn't get curious enough to figure out what what else could be the issue. So curiosity. That led you to a choice. Mm-hmm. By the way, in the book, Scott, you uh, quoted Dr. Grootman. Am I saying his name right? Because that is the coolest name. Dr. Grootman. Um, I could just hear that in a you know a stadium, people cheering, Grootman. Grootman <laughs> is such a cool name. But anyways, he said this to your point, Seth. But he said, hope is a chemical reaction to adversity. It looks beyond it to a desired future, an event that generates a different vision of the condition. I love that. That and curiosity, you know, can help us discover that. But that does take awareness. Scott, one of your favorite lines is um we need a belief to live from and a dream to live for. When we're in pain and life is going to bring all of us uh pain, how do we keep moving forward? That's the question because it isn't always that the pain's going to be eliminated immediately. And you talk about accepting our circumstances as an environment of growth. Help us walk through that. We need a belief to live from and a dream to live for is the opposite of what I talk about on page 173, which is the provisional existence. Provisional existence has always been something that I've been very interested in because I physically, mentally, and spiritually experienced it. But when Dr. Frankel talked about that in his book, Man's Search of Meaning, that when the Jewish prisoners in a Auschwitz in a, in a Nazi concentration camps. He said that was the most deadly mental state that they could encounter, experience. And in essence, when he said it was that Scuttlebutt would go through the camp that the Allies were going to liberate them by a certain date. And then that date came and they were not liberated. Many of them just gave up on life. They would just go over in a corner and, and just physically just die. It's like, or they would quit eating, or they just they their immune systems just shut down and they would just got sick and died. But he basically said it was a it was a state of hopelessness. There was nothing to live for. They couldn't see anything to continue to endure through these hardships, this incredible tragedy that they were experiencing. Um, something to live for. And that's what, so that quote, we need a belief to live from and a dream to live for. I, so the belief for me is that God and I are in this together and something somehow 
is going to grow from this if I'll just hang in there with it. If you've ever been struggling, there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about patience, waiting, um, hmm. and just this ability to sustain this hope that will sustain you. I, you know, in these difficult trials and tribulations that you are facing. So, the belief for me is that God is in this with me, and He cares about me. And and I've thought about that often, George. Even if the tests come back positive, and they come back, and, and I don't get the news that I was hoping for. I get tough news, tough news. Even in that, uh, can I find a hope and a vision and a belief and a dream to still keep growing for whatever? And what I decided is um, none of us know how long we have to live. That's... And that's one thing that we all have that is permanent, that we all share in the human condition, is that we're going to die. You know, it's just it's just a matter of when. So we do the best we can, but seriously, it's out of our control. So the quantity of the time I have is not what I have any control over, really. But the quality of the time I do have the ability to respond to. And that, I think, is what Frankel found in Auschwitz. And he found a spiritual meaning to his suffering, and he found a way that even in this terrible hell that they were experiencing, there was a reason and purpose for him to live and to continue to grow. And so he had a belief, and he had a dream, and he had a vision, and it, and it sustained him with, and now that we know how the chemicals of the brain work, it kept him moving forward. It made me think of Eugene Peterson's uh, take on Romans chapter 8. I don't know if you guys have read that, but you're talking about expectation and waiting and belief. But he says that the Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs, the sterile and barren bodies of our yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. Mm -hmm. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. <laughs> and it's maybe not the way we want to be enlarged. But the longer we wait, the longer we become, and the more joyful our expectation. That's just a beautiful line of that. But, okay, so we're connecting belief and expectation to this is absolutely something that is producing something good in us, mm -hmm. um, right? And so let's talk a little bit about um, explanatory style, because maybe some of this comes from the self-talk. And the explanatory style is the manner in which you habitually explain to yourself why events happen. Seth, help us a little bit with this, because I think it was uh, uh, Seligman. I don't know how you, is that how you say his Seligman, name? Seligman, yeah. In the book, you, yeah, you quoted, uh, Scott, you quoted him. And he believes in each of us, each of us carries a word in his heart, a yes or a no. Seth, help us understand what, how that's meaningful and helpful. Well, I think uh, just how you explain the explanatory style, um, mm -hmm. the manner in which you habitually explain to yourself why events happen speaks to, speaks to whether you have, the fact that you'll have a yes or a no in your heart, that's more of a fixed, the no is going to be what's, what's more fixed, you know, towards a kind of situation that feels similar to something negative in the past. You know, you have a fixed mindset around 
that feels like something that was painful for me previously, so that's a no for me. <laughs> or what's the what's the what's the on American Idol the one of the original uh, hosts on there the original um, he used to say that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> Oh, Randy, Randy Jackson. Jackson. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He always says it's a dog to everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so to me, that's like. <laughs> Boy, that's pretty cold. That's a no for me, dog. That's a. Uh, but wow. yeah, how you explain mm-hmm. uh, your your perspective or your, your view toward uh, a situation, I, I think it has to do with it feels similar to I don't want to re experience something difficult or painful that this moment right now feels similar to mm-hmm. from the past. And so I have a no in my heart towards that. And so I'm not willing to get curious about what else could be here. Um, and so the, the question that I think would is just a really valuable one, even, even headed into the holidays around relationships, around family, mm-hmm. around viewpoints you have religiously towards different aspects of the, the Christmas story. Um, is there any part of your heart that has a no in it? You know, I was wounded from in the past that that, that uh, this feels similar to the, to that you know, previous wounding, and so I'm not open to exploring what else could be here. So that would be a no in your heart. Mm. But you know, to grow, to it, it is to practice creativity, right? Which which is about finding finding the yes, which is about expanding your your definition, like we talked about previously. So. That's the question for us. I think that it's just a, a good one. Is there a no in you? Is there any part of your heart that has a no in it? That's your fixed mindset. What situation? What person? What environment do you have a no towards? And and I'll be clear. Like sometimes it's really important to have a no, right? But is it to? There are areas that we can that we we close ourselves off to to allowing ourselves to grow in. And those are the areas in, in which you want to challenge and disconfirm that previous no, because um, there is potential. There's other potential. Um, and we're talking about how we habitually explain mm-hmm. why events happen. Yeah. And so the no is this is permanent. The yes is yes, this is temporary. Right. Yep. Yeah. So yep. the yes we're talking about is whatever it is that we're experiencing or facing. It, it's temporary in, 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 a, in the sense of the story we're telling ourselves. And that's a massive paradigm shift mm-hmm. to live from. Yeah, I mean, so for an example, I, I remember coming out of my, my home life, there wasn't a whole lot of connection and, and healthy relationship. There wasn't much of any of that um, once I got into middle school and high school. And so there wasn't a whole lot of hope for me and excitement and joy around the holidays. So I remember when I started having my own kids, I had to, I had a no in my heart around going into the holidays. And so when I started having my own kids, I had to realize this is what I'm already taking into the experience with them. But I need to question that. I need to disconfirm my already no experience and agenda that I carry in toward the holidays because I don't want them to view this as negative. I don't want them to view this as this, this is the season where dad always feels hurt and he keeps bringing that forward. This can be a season in which I'm making something new. And thankfully, you know, I have like real life humans in front of me to help me get creative. What can I be? What What's new about this? What's beautiful about the Christmas story and spirit now that I get to do with my kids? 
And that is what's allowed me to have a yes in my heart toward playing Christmas music only the day after Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Only one day or it cannot start until after Thanksgiving? I don't listen to it until after Thanksgiving, but... Okay. But uh, yeah, I've loosened my my grip on some of these mm-hmm. some of these things that that kind of seem silly, but they are laced with you know past wounds for me. Yeah. So, and I think it's it's also important to remember that like sometimes it's it's not a no or a yes. It's a it's a like a someday. Like Scott mm-hmm. was talking about so much like the the waiting in the midst of mm-hmm. the transition, right? The hoping, the um, imagining a different ending or a brighter future. And, you know, I think Seth, so much of what you just were talking about, like, um, brings up a lot, you know, in my story, like I'm obviously in, um, a, a big transition time, right. Um, with my kids, I've, I've still got all three kids living at home, although two of them are adults and, um, our family looks very different now than it did say five years ago. And it's the, the holidays are just unbelievably painful like they're just i don't have Mm. extended family uh my kids don't have cousins it's like the holidays currently is something that we're just enduring but i have to be so mindful of like not having that no mindset of like becoming like no the holidays are just horrible and awful but having that yes mindset of like Okay, we're we're in a waiting period right now. We're in a transition period right now. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's trying to heal, but believing with hope that if we continue to make good choices, if we continue to engage, if we continue to just show up the the to the degree that we are able for one another, that someday down the road, that's going to look different, and that that no, what feels like a no right now is going to someday be a yes. I love that. I don't want to Let's go far, too far past this either with just without saying this is, George, I feel like you can speak really well to this, but this is the season we're heading into, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the in the Christmas season, the, the Christian calendar of, of Advent, which is about waiting. And mm. I just was looking up the Latin word for Advent, Adventus, which means coming. Arrival. Yeah, yeah. arrival. Yeah. Something's coming. That's what we're, that's yeah. why we can wait. Yeah, and exactly how we something uh, good is coming. That's right. Yeah. If we're willing to engage yeah. our window of tolerance, right? Even mm-hmm. if we're not if we're not there yet, we can we can tolerate the tension yeah. and, and the pain of the where we are and where we're hoping to be. I'm willing to stay open, even for mm-hmm. if, if it's like, let's try a little bit more today, and I'll stop, and a little bit more today. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Opening is a process, and and a yes is someday, right? I, I heard Anna, you say that that a yes could be, yeah, maybe someday. That's a yes. That's not a complete closed off. I, I just want to kind of what Seth was saying. I don't think it's possible to wait unless we have hope. Mm-hmm. It's if I don't have a positive anticipation of something good is going to coming, it's really difficult for a human to just wait. And um, I've been reading Micah 7, 7 every day. Um, I watch in hope for my Lord. I wait. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Um, watching in hope, waiting patiently. 
And they say that Micah wrote that when Israel was in dire situations. It just, and he's speaking into a future that was, we just hang in there. It's coming. So in a sense, we're being invited to say yes to the waiting. Wow. With the expectation and belief that something good is coming out of it. And I love that Eugene Peterson does use pregnancy, mm-hmm. that a mother's, her, her expectant, Mm-hmm. Her expectancy is that out of the pain, something beautiful. beautiful is being born. And yeah, that's we could live with that narrative and that story, or we could live with a different story. But it seems to practice hope, to believe that even through the pain, something beautiful and good could even come out of that. It's just a far better way to live. And the results are there. Scott, you said at the end of this uh, day... When we replace a no with a yes in our hearts, then we have made a paradigm shift. This is how we turn bad events into temporary setbacks. We move with the pain into the realm of possibility by telling ourselves, I am relentless. I will persevere. Something will change. God is with me. Yeah, those are that's a good, really, really that's a hopeful, good paragraph. hopeful words. Yeah. Yeah, you should go back and read it. <laughs> you know, I, I wrote in my notes here that yeah. I put positive anticipation around that. That's that's what mm-hmm. it's speaking there. That you know, I would ask the listeners to consider that that even in the most difficult circumstances, can I wait and believe that something good can grow out of this? Um, and when I think of all the significant tragedies that we can encounter in life, from death and sickness and loss and disappointments, they're just, they abound. And the reality is you are going to experience those. You will experience those in your lifetime. Mm. And so having a, a relentless perseverance to, to keep looking forward all the way and... And I'm, you know, I, if I could talk about this, um, I don't, I believe that the message of Christ is for how I live right now. It's mm. not, hey, I know it's, it's terrible down there, but you, one day you're going to be up here with me and everything's going to be all right. And I, it doesn't really soothe me. Oh, you know, I'm glad I have that to look forward to, but uh, boy, what about now? And so, but I do believe that, um, that the message is that right now, here in your life, I would have despaired if I did not believe I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Well, the whole theme of this season, Emmanuel, God with us. Like, yeah, yeah God comes to the mess. He doesn't <laughs> go some other place. And so, Scott, I, I agree with you. And there's a, a theologian named Malton, uh, or Jurgerman Malton, and I love, he talks about, uh, the experience of God deepens the experience of life, mm. this life, right right here, right now, and it awakens us to an unconditional yes to life. Wow. That's, that's the spirit of life. That's the Christ that comes to us and shows us how we can find good in the midst of things that are ugly. And yeah, we, we can get there. So I'm with you on that. And then the next world will take care of itself, right? It will. Because <laughs> if we can find hope and 
a presence of God in, in this life to trust more deeply in, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine in the next one. But uh, one final word for many of you, belief and expectation. Like this is, this is important. And we do all have choices um, that we can make um, with our beliefs and, and with our expectations. And we all have a choice to say yes or no. I'll start by saying, you know, what I think, going back to my, my story with my, my son, and I can come up with mm-hmm. plenty of stories just around any of my kids, around, you know, they're not doing what I need them to do. And I need, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in control right now. So to me, this is, this is being able to wait is, is, or let go of an agenda is about control versus surrender. And I'm surrendering the explanatory agenda that I'm carrying in, um, into the situation. And so actually what came to mind was, especially with, with that, you were talking about Eugene Peterson and the idea of pregnancy was the, the lyrics, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to, comes me. to me who's pregnant um, with mm. hope. And, uh, and, the, and the lyrics continue, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. To me, that's mm. letting go, that's mm. surrender. That's how you hope, that's how you wait. You let it be and trust that um, there is an arrival coming. And I just think, you know, as we head into this, this, this holiday season... Yeah, that's what is going to ground us, help us stay grounded amidst whatever our situation is. That's what allows us to have choice. Yeah, there's a there's a historical coming of Christ to bring peace and healing and love to the world. And then there's a, a present mm-hmm. moment of Christ coming to each of our hearts to bring a yes, an unconditional yes um, to life. And I think the invitation here is maybe one that feels unconventional in the world we live in, but surrender. And let's be honest, if, if some of us find ourselves in, in a struggle that we're just, we're wearing ourselves out, surrender might be the thing that brings the greatest level of peace. But it's not just a passive surrender, mm-hmm. it's a surrender to trust. That God is with us. That is the message of this season. Mm-hmm. And so our prayer, our hope is that you could experience that and just know that we're all on this human journey together. Although we're on different paths, we're with you. And um, we're feeling many of the same kind of birth pains. But something is growing. So hold on to that, friends. Visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about groups you can join. But remember this, over every mountain, there is a path. And the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. Hey, it's Anna. Thanks so much for tuning into the Searching Inward podcast. If you've enjoyed listening or have benefited in any way from the podcast, we would love for you to come alongside and join us in the mission to bring hope and healing to the world. By considering becoming a monthly giver of even $5, you're making a huge impact on the ways we're able to serve. Please consider giving by going to www.restoresmallgroups.org backslash donate. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville. <laughs>
What in the world was that, Seth? Uh, just in case people are watching. Like, hi. <laughs> he's waving at me as I'm doing the introduction. I didn't know if that was like, I'm doing horrible. And he's like, he cheer me on. Keep going. You. He was waving he said, at all back. the listeners like, that are welcoming you. Right <laughs> he reminds me of the yoga instructor. You know, I'm behind everyone else and she's just trying to keep going. <laughs> oh, okay. But we must fire these endorphins into our system and how do you say that word and conf- how what is that other <laughs> <laughs> you guys, i don't even know what i want to say i want to say where are we incephalins incephalins yeah i'm not you know what i'm just i'm not even going to try to say that word just yeah, Anna, will you introduce that? Uh, introduce us. I don't know to if that. it's encephalins or encephalins. That I don't know. I don't know where you put the the stress. Encephalins, encephalins. I think that's encephalins. right. Take twelve. Three. <laughs> Hello and walking. <laughs> <laughs> Take four. <laughs>